Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 this morning. You know, around Christmas time, there's a, a concept in God's Word that has always sort of grabbed my attention, and I'm not sure exactly why, but it's a concept that's found in both the Old and the New Testaments. In the Old Testament, uh, for one, in a passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, a passage that foretells, the, that prophesies of, the, of the, the birth of Christ, the Bible says in Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. In the New Testament, it's, re, it's reiterated in, in, in some form or another at the beginning of three of the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 4, in Luke chapter 1, and in John chapter 1. To some degree or another, that theme of the light shining in the darkness seems to be an important picture in God's Word. That Christ coming to this earth was God's light piercing the darkness. And something about that, I don't know, just personally for me, has always been a powerful image. I don't know about you, but I've seen my share of the darkness of this world. Have you? I've seen enough hurt. I've seen enough pain. I've seen enough of the problems, the failures, the letdowns. I've seen plenty of my own sin and the consequences that my own choices to turn away from God, whether intentional or unintentional, I've seen what those things have done to my life and to the lives of others. Being in ministry, I've seen plenty how darkness, how sin has affected your lives and so many lives of the people that live around us. Maybe that's why that image is so real to me. I've seen how messed up this world can be. And it brings me great joy, does it you, that God has pierced the darkness with His light. God has brought hope. God has brought help. God has brought healing. Praise God. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Now, I didn't sound very glad about that. <laughs> Are you awake with me this morning? You know, as important as that concept is, though, we need to take it a step further today. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world, but did you know this? If you are a disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, so are you. That's what we want to see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. In probably the most famous sermon ever preached, it's called, many of you may know, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Even among non-believers, even among Christ, people who aren't Christians, this passage of, of Scripture has long been recognized as some of the most amazing teaching that the world has ever heard. Matthew 5 verse 1 tells us, and at the end of Matthew 4 it tells us, that there were many people that were following Jesus on that day. So he went up on a mountain. He sat down with his disciples, and there probably still were a lot of the crowd still standing around listening, but he sat down with his disciples, and he began to teach his followers. And there's a lot that we could look at in these uh, Matthew 5. Actually, it goes from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. It's uh, two chapters worth of a sermon that Jesus preached there. But we want to focus today on verses 14 through 16, in which Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This world 
is in such darkness. But God wants to shine His light in that darkness. And my friend, if you are a child of God, the Bible is going to teach us today that you are going to be a part of God shining the light in the darkness. And so we want to talk about today, Let His Light Shine. Let His Light Shine is the title of the message today. Now, from what we can tell in Matthew 4 and 5, this was fairly early in Jesus' public ministry. In other words, if you can just kind of get a picture here, these disciples had not been following Christ for too long. And so you can almost picture Jesus walking along and all these people clamoring for His attention and, and some of those people that were, that were kind of following along with Him, some of those people had actually put their faith in Him. Some of them had trusted in Him. Some of them had become His children, His followers, His disciples. And as we know, as we read the Gospels, many of the others, well, they were just the crowd. They were just along for the show. They were just on the fringes. They just wanted to see what Jesus might do next. But for those who were for real, he called them to sit down with him. And Jesus begins to teach them. And I want you to look at what Jesus says to them in verse 14. The first part of that verse, he said to them, you. Now that you is emphatic. He makes it clear. He makes it pointed here. You are the light of the world. He was telling them, first of all, we want to see in these verses, that you are God's light in a dark world. Now, can you imagine what that must have been like for them? You have just begun living for Jesus. You have just begun walking with Him. You have just begun putting your life in His hands. And you may not quite understand what the term light of the world means, but you know, without a doubt, that Jesus has been light for you, don't you? He certainly has shown His light in your darkness. He certainly has changed my life. He turned the lights on for me, but all of a sudden He springs this one on you. Hey, guess what, boys and girls? You! are the light of the world. I can only imagine myself in their shoes saying, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> we don't know exactly what that means, but, but it sure sounds way too important for where I am in my walk with you. But I have news for all of us today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, He is speaking these words to His disciples if you would say, yes, I follow Christ, Jesus is the Lord of my life, just as real as if you and I were up on that mountainside in the first century, His message to us is the same. You are the light of the world. You, my followers, are God's light in a dark world. You see, that's been God's plan all along. God's plan was that He is the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12 tells us that, that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one, John chapter 1, verse 5, that shines in the darkness of this world. But when He went back to heaven, He had a plan. Aren't you glad He had a plan? He had a plan. And His plan was that He intended to leave His followers to be those who would know Him, who would walk with Him, who would stay close to Him, and who, guess what? Would represent Him. In this world, isn't that scary? <laughs> if you know Christ is your Savior, you're one of His representatives. You're somebody that the rest of us are looking to to figure out what Jesus' plan is for our lives. Now, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Now, I don't know all the reasons why God did it the way He did. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 that He wanted us to be His co-workers. Can you imagine being a partner with God in anything? Especially in His main mission for this world? Can you imagine God giving me and you a partnership with Him? That we are His co-workers? 
But that was his plan. He wanted us, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We won't go into those. But he wanted us to be part of his work. And when he went back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send my spirit. You're not going to be alone. I'm not going to bail out on you. I'm not just leaving and saying, y'all take care of it. I'm coming back. My spirit is going to live in your heart. He's going to teach you. He's going to train you. He's going to shape you. He's going to change you and mold your life. And then he's going to empower you and gift you and lead you to do my work. Because for some reason, and I don't have all the answers of what Jesus meant by this, but in John 14, verse 12, he said it was an advantage for him to leave and for him to do his work through us. Now, I don't know all the reasons for that, but that's just what he said he was going to do. And he said it was a good thing that we were going to be entrusted with this. Now, no pressure, but, but now that Jesus is back in heaven, you're the light of the world. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've been knighted. Come up front here. Let me just tap you on the head. You're the man. You're the one. But we're leaning on you. If it's going to happen, you are the light of the world. And if you and I don't do it, the Bible says it won't happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 tells us we are the body of Christ. Now, we spiritualize that, and in a sense, we are the spiritual body of Christ. But he gives us that image for a real reason. We are the body of Christ. What does that mean? We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His ears. We are His mouth in this world. If we do not let His light shine, there will be no light in the darkness of this world. How does that feel for you to consider this morning? Whether or not a world that so desperately needs a Savior finds that Savior largely depends on whether you and I represent that Savior and display Him through our lives. Isn't that huge? If you're a Christian today, aren't you glad somebody's shown the light around you? You were lost. You didn't know which direction to go in life. You didn't have answers for your life. And somebody, maybe a couple of people in your life, somebody shine the light in the darkness. They lived out a godly life in front of you. Maybe they personally shared with you what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe they just lived a good testimony before you and somebody else shared it. Or maybe they just invited you to church and when you got there, somebody there, a pastor or, or maybe a Bible study teacher or somebody like that or maybe somebody in your family. It amazes me as I share with people about Christ how God has people everywhere just being obedient and just sharing. And we're all just little tiny pieces of a puzzle of God working in an individual's life to shine the light. Aren't you glad that somebody did that for you? But you know what God's saying to you now? It's your turn now. It's your turn. You are the light of the world. But then Jesus tells them something else. You know, I think just the reality of God giving me some sort of assignment or responsibility is probably what would scare us most, wouldn't it? God's given me an assignment. But, but we need to understand, if we're the light of the world, what does it mean to be light? I believe Jesus wanted to tell them here in verses 14 through 15, your light has a purpose. Now, our most basic description about light and darkness would be that light illuminates darkness. Where we could not see, now because of light, what happens? Now we're able to see. So we can speak of light in terms of clarity. Light brings revelation. Light brings direction for us. We might even say that light brings hope to us. There was a time when I just didn't know which way to go. I could not see. 
But now, because light has shone in my darkness, I can see. I was confused. I was ambivalent. I was maybe even afraid. But now I know which way to go. Isn't that what light does? All of those things are an impact of the light. But you know what? That's not what Jesus focuses on in these verses. He makes it much simpler for us. I don't have to feel the pressure. Listen, friend. I don't have to feel the pressure of bringing clarity to other people's lives. I can't handle that pressure. If you're living in darkness, I can't handle the pressure of clearing things up for you. I can't handle the pressure of revealing things to people. I can't get in your heart. I can't show you God's truth. I can't give you direction for your life. I can't really give you hope on my own. I'm so glad that Jesus makes our instructions pretty easy. He says, listen, that's what the light's going to do. Okay, you realize what light's going to do, but, but don't worry about doing all that. Just make sure that you shine it. And you shine it so that others can visibly see it. Now, he puts in the negative. Many of you maybe are teachers. You know, that's an effective alternative to just coming out and saying something is putting in the negative. So let's read verses 14 and 15. He says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. A city that's set on a hill. That city is impossible to be hidden, right? You can't hide it. I mean, there it is up on the hillside. In fact, you kind of feel like it was never intended to be hidden. (laughs) If it was, they weren't too smart, right? A candle that is lit. Nobody ever take that candle and light it in a dark house and put that under a bowl or a basket. That would defeat the purpose of you lighting it. You see, what Jesus was saying is your light, you are light. And your light has a purpose. That candle and that city, both of those were intended to be seen. They were intended to be visible. They were not intended to be blocked or to be hidden. Every time I read that city on a hill part, I think about when I used to work in this flour mill in North Carolina. And there was uh, this flour mill kind of was a real tall building. And because of the way the system was set up, they had to have several stories in that building. Many times when I'd be working the flour mill, you know, you'd kind of start the, the milling process and then you could wait a few minutes. And so I'd, I'd go around, I'd check on machinery and I'd walk upstairs and you'd kind of get a little stuffy in there and you'd stick your head out the window and get a breath of fresh air. Well, many nights I'd be working second shift by myself. And I'd go out to the, to the very top of that uh, to that factory, to that mill, and I would look out that window, and I'd look in the darkness, and, and I'd get so high up that I could just begin to see right where the end of our small town would end. And then I began to see the outskirts, you know, or kind of more out in the country areas. But then beyond that, there was a little town that sat up on the hill. And I remember thinking about this verse many times. You know, I don't think when they built that town that anybody was supposing that they'd ever be able to sneak up on anybody. Were they? They weren't intending, we're going to hide our little town. We're going to keep it a little secret. In fact, I think probably the opposite, don't you? They intended, look, we might be small, but we want everybody to see us. We're going to put ourselves right up on top of this hill for everybody to see our little town. You see, that's the point Jesus was making. You've got me living in you, You've got light in you. Don't hide your light. Your light has a purpose. And the purpose of your light, listen, was always for it to go public. Do you see what God is saying? 
just like a city on a hill, just like a lit candle, the very nature of God's work in your life was for it to be visible to other people around you. Now, this is very important. Many people have gotten the impression from church or maybe from their own thinking that a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, is a private matter. Can I clear that up for you? The Bible is teaching that that is not what God intended. Now, let me tell you the the difference here, what I believe the difference is. Your relationship with Christ is a very personal matter, isn't it? He changed my life. It may not mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me personally. It means a great deal to me because it changed my life. And so a relationship with Christ is a very personal thing, but it's not a private thing. In fact, it has a very public nature to it. It is intended to be shared with others. It's not intended to be kept to yourself. Your life is intended, God's work in your heart is intended to influence other people. And in fact, the way it's worded here, it sounds like God's intention is that your life and my life would impact many people. What does it say? And it gives light to some of the house. What does it say? And it gives light to everyone, to all who are in that house. Now, I'm going to use my little Cedartown, Georgia accent here. That's a bright white light, isn't it? One of the purposes of your life was to be the light of the world. That light was intended to be visible to other people. It was never intended to be hidden. So Jesus says in verse 16, Let your light shine. God's telling us we're the light of the world. God's telling us that light has a purpose, but then God calls us to start letting it shine. Jesus says, listen, here's what you are. You're the light. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to hide it. And then he tells them, let your light shine. Now look that up because it sounded like a request, didn't it? Let sounds like, you know, allow. It sounds like you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, somebody's requesting that you do something. But did you know I looked it up? It's a command. You could translate it like this. Shine your light. That's what God's saying. Just shine it. You're the light. This is kind of simple, isn't it? You're the light. Your light was intended to shine, so shine it. The very fact that Jesus has to tell them, though, tells me that this was not necessarily going to be automatic for them. Amen? Can you relate to that? I mean, it sounds pretty simple, Jesus. Yeah, yeah we know we're supposed to do this, but, but for some reason... They were not going to shine that light sometimes. After we've experienced the life-changing power of God, why would we not share that with other people? Well, I believe there's a couple of reasons, two primary reasons that they would have struggled and maybe that we struggle is, number one, because of sin in our lives. Now, is this not true? When we are not walking with God, we don't have any light to shine, do we? When I am personally not walking with God, I might even share the message. I might out of just flat obedience say, okay, I'm going to tell other people about Jesus, but our actions will negate the power of those words. Or maybe we won't share the words. We won't share with other people. Why? Because we feel hypocritical, don't we? If 
I'm not walking with God. How could I tell somebody else how I could change their life? And so we have this struggle. I know that, that I have Christ living in me and His Spirit is wanting to come out of me and He's wanting to, to spill over out of my life and to share with other people the hope and the help and the healing that's found in Him. But, but yet I've got this issue and I've got this thing that I'm not dealing with. If you want to answer God's call to start shining forth for Him, if you've got some area of your life where you are outright disobeying God, you've got to deal with that. Now listen, let me clarify something. I'm not saying, I don't believe God's Word teaches that you've got to be perfect before you can be a witness for God. Amen? I mean, anybody here that tells anybody about Christ is still a sinner saved by the grace of God. So that's not what we're talking about here. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? If you've got something in your life, if you've got something in your heart that you know that you are not allowing God to deal with, doesn't that keep you from shining for Him? You know what I believe this morning? I don't believe that I need to motivate anybody to share their faith. I'm not a good motivational speaker. I mean, I'd never be on one of those, you know, uh, 30-second videos trying to tell you to buy milkshakes. All right, that's just not me. I'm not a cheerleader for God. I don't need to motivate anybody to share Christ. But you know what my responsibility is? It's to challenge you to stay close to Christ. You stay close to Jesus, and there's just something about His nature in you that's going to spill out. Amen? I mean, it's just going to happen. When His light is shining in your life, I guarantee you His light is going to shine through your life. So sometimes we don't because of sin... But sometimes we don't because of fear, don't we? And there are many reasons why we get afraid. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid we don't know enough. We're afraid we might lose a relationship with somebody. There's all kinds of reasons. But let me ask you a question, friend. Let's just be straight up about it. I mean, you might have some good reasons that you're afraid. But when it comes down to it, when are you ever going to start telling people about what Christ has done in your life? When are we going to get over that fear? Did you know this verse powerfully freed me? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you hear that? When you are afraid, that is not from God. Doesn't that help you? When I get afraid, I can know God's not doing this to me. God's not bringing this in my life. The enemy may be working. The enemy may be feeding me some lies. And so I can begin to say, God, would you give me courage? Would you give me boldness? Would you help me to get over myself? Can I share something with you? When I first, first began sharing my faith, I was a youth pastor. When I really began actively sharing my faith, I was a youth pastor. And I was taking some of my youth out, and we were doing some different things. And, and the situation just so happened that I was by myself, okay? And I was going up to this door, and I think we were advertising about some event that we were doing in our church. And so I had sent a group out, and because of the way the groups worked out, I had to go by myself. Okay, I'm fine. I'm the group leader. I'll go by myself. Well, I walk up to this door, and right before I went to, walk, to, to knock on the door, I stopped. I was breathing so hard and my heart was beating so fast, I couldn't imagine words coming out. And so I said, I can't knock on the door. These people are going to open the door and I'm going to go, <laughs> call 911, honey. You know, we got somebody dying on the front step. You know what I did? I put my hand down. I turned around and I started to walk back to my car. I said, dear Lord, please forgive me. I would take a chance that the person in this house may never hear about Christ 
because I can't get over myself. Dear God, please forgive me. Please help me, God. I can't do this. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how they're going to respond to it. I know I'm probably going to mess it up. I hadn't done this much before. I'm not very crafty with it. I'm not a good salesman. But I just have to get over it. I don't remember what happened. (laughs) But I got over it. And I knocked on the door. God's calling you to shine. And he says, interestingly, shine before men in front of other people. Now, that seems kind of odd to me because we have a little slant in God's Word that we need to be careful about doing things in front of other people. In fact, one chapter over, God's going to tell us to be careful about doing things in front of other people. Now, what's He saying? We're supposed to do it in front of other people, but then we're not supposed to. What's the point? Well, the point is, Matthew 6 tells us, don't do things in front of other people so that they will notice you. It's your motivation. Matthew 5, though, tells us, do this before men in front of others, in, their, in, in front of them, in their presence, in such a way that they may see your good works. Yeah, they're going to recognize you initially because you're you, you're there, you're the body in front of them. But they're going to notice more about you. They're going to glorify your Father who is in heaven. God wants you to be noticed. God wants other people to notice your life. Not so that they would focus on you, but when you shine for God, when you do it for God, it will point others to that same God that's shining through you, and God wants that to happen through your life. Don't forget, you're the man. You're the one. He's dependent on you to represent Him. And so they're going to have to see you. They're going to have to hear from you. You're going to have to be present. And then hopefully, if you're led by Him, pretty quickly they're going to notice what a great God is working through. You know what's uh, powerful about me walking up to that door? Even if I was so nervous, I was shaking in my boots. You know what's so powerful about some of you who say, I can't get baptized. I know these people are looking at me. And I'm going to get nervous. And I can't talk. I can't give a testimony. Are you kidding me? All these people are looking at me. I can't sing a song. I'll start getting shaky. Good. You know why? So y'all don't know this about me. I get nervous too. Y'all don't know this about me. I would not be doing what I'm doing if God didn't make me do it. I don't like all those eyes. This freaks me out. Don't look at me. But over time, through experience, through God's help, God's helped me to get over that. But you just think I was born like this. So you know what? It's good for some of you who haven't gotten used to that to stand up here. Because you know what happens? When they see you nervous, but you do it anyway. When they see you shaking, but you do it anyway. They say, that's a real person like me. And if God would use them, maybe he could use me. If you got to know my life better, you'd say the same thing about me. I know who Robbie used to be. I know what he can and can't do. If God is working through his life, that's the kind of God I want to serve. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That God would shine through us. That's exactly 
what God wants to happen. We are His primary vessels to communicate His good news to the world. Now, don't let that scare you away. That doesn't mean that this afternoon, sign up, you're going door to door. You're going to invite people to come to church. That doesn't mean that this morning you have to come forward at the end of the service and spill your guts to everybody in the room. I think it primarily means this. Now listen, what does shining your light mean? If Jesus told you to do it, start shining. All right, tomorrow, what do I do? Let Christ be evident through your life. Don't hide him. Don't be ashamed of him. Teenager, some of you are in youth group, and uh, they're encouraging you in youth group to have a daily quiet time. And you've bought a little, they call them a quiet time diary. It's just a journal that you read a verse, and you, you write some thoughts about what God is doing in your life. You know what? I know some of you are taking those to school, aren't you? And some of you are using those during your break periods. Maybe, though, you've been bringing yours out at lunchtime, and then when your friends walk up, you close it up, don't you? And you stick it real quietly in your book bag, and, hey, how you doing? Cool, you know, everything's going great. Are you sticking your little candle under a basket? Hey, adults, maybe at break, at work, maybe, maybe you like to kind of turn on some Christian radio. Maybe there's a special speaker that you really like listening to, a, a pastor that you like listening to his messages. But anytime you kind of hear somebody, the pitter-patter of uh, footsteps coming down, you know, you start <laughs> changing the channels and find, or it's Fly 92 or, you know, Froggy 107 or whatever. You know, just, I, don't, I don't want to deal with that today. Are you trying to get your city off that hilltop? God's wanting to let your light shine. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, Just walk, just live as children of light. Just live like you have light in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Live a godly life and shine in a dark world. Let people see you doing things because you know Jesus. Just be yourself in front of them. Be loving Christ. Be seeking Him. And if somebody happens to see it, then so be it. And maybe they'll ask you. And when they do, tell them. Shine. Oh, what was that radio station? Oh, I was just flipping through stations. I accidentally hit that. <laughs> Those preachers are weird. Yeah, I was just flipping. <laughs> no. Let your light shine. Share the message and the hope of Christ with them. I think that's primarily what the light shining is all about. But you know, <clears throat> I should also say this to you. I'm not encouraging you necessarily, though, just to be casual about it. Sometimes we're just living life, we're just being ourselves, and our light just needs to shine in front of other people, right? But listen, friends, sometimes we need to be more intentional about turning our light on. Sometimes, instead of just this attitude of, well, I'll be myself, and they, if they happen to see it, and if they happen to ask some questions, then, then okay. Well, that's a, that's a good first step, but I want to challenge you. Get a little more intentional about it. Why don't you pull out your quiet time diary when they walk up and just be flipping through it? Oh, let me show you this neat book I just picked up. Why don't you, when somebody walks in the break room, turn to the radio station, have that preacher going, and somebody says, hmm, what's that? Well, actually, I was listening to it. Oh, really? Why don't you listen to that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Turn the light on sometimes. Don't just happen to let it be shining, but, but intentionally 
let it shine. And I'll take it even a step further. If this message is true, listen, friend, what is our message? Our message is that the world is in darkness. And that world of darkness can see a great light. And that's all imagery to say this. We are sinners in danger of the judgment of a holy God. But that God sent His Son to be our Savior. He paid the price for me. He paid the price for you. And if we will receive His gift, we can be set free. If that message is true, and I'm going to be rescued from hell forever, and I'm going to spend eternity with my God, if that message is true, we can't just hope that people around us will see Christ. Sometimes we've got to intentionally go out and shine. That's why our church does special outreaches sometimes. If Jesus is light for a dark world, I want my light to shine in my daily walk. I want my neighbor to see how I'm treating my wife and to notice something different and maybe to ask me questions. Yes. But sometimes I need to go knock on my neighbor's door and say, listen, I just, I just feel like I need to share something with you. Sometime could we maybe sit down and have some coffee and could I share that? Both need to happen, don't they? In the course of my life, let your light shine. Sometimes intentionally outside the course of my life, let your light shine. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was on the airplane and I was looking out that window. I was, I was riding in the airplane at night. And I was looking out that window and I saw it was completely pitch dark. But I said, you know, I have a feeling there's some things down there. I just can't see them right now. Why? We were too far away to see them. But every once in a while, we'd fly over these areas where there was a concentration of lights. There was enough lights down there together that even far up, I could see light in that darkness. And you know what? As we got a little bit closer to the ground, as I got closer and closer, I could see that all along there had been individual little lights. There had been a little car over here driving. There had been a little house out in the country over here with their light on, their back porch light on, all those kind of things. But you know what? You know what I learned? There are many people in this world who are far away from God right now. You know what they need to see? They need to see a bunch of little lights concentrating together in the darkness to shine for Christ, don't they? Yeah, as people get closer to my life, maybe they can see my little individual light shine. As that light gets stronger, hopefully it can, it can expand and more and more people can see that. But you know what? We need to shine together, don't we? We need to group together and show the hope and the help that's found in Christ. How many people in this world... I just shared with you, I was on an airplane. Did you know? I'm trying to think. On that airplane, I had four legs of that trip. All four legs of those trips, there were four people at some point in their walk with God. Four opportunities to share Christ or to encourage somebody or to influence somebody in some way. And I just wonder all up and down those aisles how many more people needed the Lord. I just wonder as I was walking through the airport, how many of these people know Jesus? How many today, if He were to come back, somebody is sharing the love of Christ with them? I wonder if I was sitting beside your coworker. I wonder if I was sitting beside your neighbor. If I asked them, is there anybody in your community who's ever shared this message with you, would they say yes or would they say no? Has anybody ever shown this to you? God has put some people in your life 
Some of them just need to see you living life. Some of them you need to load up and make an intentional effort to lovingly but truthfully share the gospel. But God is calling each one of us to let our light shine. Let's pray together. Lord, this message today is for your people. To realize today, God, that it is up to us to be a reflection of you in this world. And Lord, I pray that you're speaking to hearts right now. That maybe somebody who who says they're a disciple of Christ is not shining their light. And I don't know why, Lord. Maybe it's because of where I was. They're afraid. They're hindered by fear, God. But I pray that you'd teach them 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I pray that they begin to trust that verse, that you would help them to be a witness for you. God, somebody here today has sin in their life. Lord, God, help me as a Christian to stay close to you so that I can be a vessel through which you can work through. And if there's anything in my life, God, if there's anything in the life of any one of your followers here today that would keep us from being able to shine for others, for you, for others, God, today deal with that right now. Lord, they've been putting that off. They know it's affecting them. They know it's affecting other people. But now they realize, Lord, it's affecting their ability to be your servants in the lives of others. And Lord Jesus, I'm aware today that there are probably people here today that have never had the light of Christ shine in their life. Oh, they sense it today. They sense that God's wanting to work in their heart, but they've never received that gift. And Lord, today I pray that you'd open up their heart, that through me, your servant, through others here today who've sung and who've worshipped you and who've served in many different ways, that they've seen the light of Christ through us in some small way, and that their heart is open, that they would cry out to you, God, I want you to save me, Jesus. I want you to come into my life and to wash my sins away. I want you to shine your light in my darkness and show me the way to live my life. Lord, in these moments right now, whatever needs to happen, would your spirit just have freedom to to change hearts, to grow us and to transform us right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. And we're going to sing a song. It's called A Song of Invitation. And that's what it is. We're inviting you to respond to God. If God has spoken to your heart, Christians, I know what it's like to sit out and listen to a message. And I know what it's like to talk yourself out of doing something with it. I want to strongly encourage you, if God has spoken to your heart, if He has shined a little more light in your life today, then receive it. Whatever it is, God, I heard you. I acknowledge it. And this is the decision I make based on what you've said to me. If you don't know Christ today, friend, I want to tell you, personally, I've looked in a lot of places in this life and I've never found anyone who satisfies like Jesus Christ. And this room is full of people whose life has been changed forever. And we want to help you understand more about what that's about. If God is speaking to you in any way today, if you need to do it right there in your seat, make some sort of decision, praise God.
But if you need somebody to help you with that, we want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you're ready to join this church family. You've come to our discovery class. You've said, I need to move forward with Christ. I want my, my light to contribute to this church family, to making it bright in this community. Maybe you're ready for baptism. I'm one of those scared to death. I wouldn't knock on the door. I'd turn around and go back to my car, people. But I'm getting over it with God's help. I want to move forward. Whatever it is, if God's speaking to you right now, 